Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome along to the Rugby Pod brought to you as usual by our good friends at Guinness. We're bringing you more live shows with them throughout the season and we can confirm the date and venue for the Christmas show now. It's going to be at O'Neill's in Soho on Thursday the 12th of December so check out eventbrite.co.uk if you fancy coming along to that. Gertie and Jim are with me as usual. How are you lads? Oh, mate, I'm really good. I'm really good. Why, why are you so good? Why are you so happy? Why, why are you smiling? Why are you under pressure Jim? I'm not am. I'm why under you, zero pressure. Just out of interest. Why have you moved house again Jim? Well, this has got nothing to do with uh, where. This what's been going on in this week? Have you got a new house? I've got three houses. Who brought it for you? Oh, here we go. <laughs> hey! Why are you saying so smug about everything that's happened this well, week? I mean, it's pretty simple. The heat is on you, James but and why, Saracens. But why? What's funny about that? That's what I don't get. Like, why? Because well, hold on. So let's go back over time in the podcast. How much glee have you taken out of you being fat? Not a lot. Not a lot. <laughs> what supposed financial troubles? And hey. It's back on Saracens. Not only did they write off a forty-five million pound debt last year, they're also losing money hand over fist. Oh, and they've got a five million pound fine, James. And by the way, Was posted a four point six million pound profit last week. Oh my so, word! I mean, here we oh, are. Oh my word! Good, good afternoon, good morning, good whatever it is to everyone. See, I don't. How f- are you, James I, Hamilton? I don't find any of it. For, I think it is, and I think it's a real shame. I'm actually been really down this this weekend. I've got no association to Saracens anymore. Mine's all out rugby. I was so happy last week. After the World Cup final, and then no, because the kids, the kid, you're happy because the kids were back at school. Last very week. true, you know that. That made me really happy. <laughs> um, but I just, I don't know. But I feel really, really flat this week. I'll be honest with everything that's happened. Uh, I was right at the start when it got announced because we knew, you know, we knew we couldn't say uh, it was coming out, but we knew we knew something was going to get released after well, the World Cup. We've known Cup. for three years that Saracens are breaking the salary cap, James. Well, that's that's um, supposedly. Yes, yeah, so, well, so, there you go. Suppose supposedly being the key word. Supposedly being the key word. And uh, unintentionally as well, being the key, being the key word. <laughs> wow. hey, let, hey, unintentionally. Let, I mean, I unintentionally miss the salad bar every time I go to a restaurant. But, um, you know, unintentionally, I just miss it. But no one can prove that. No one can prove if you unintentionally mean, mean, mean to do that or not. Yeah, they can. How? Well, I know myself that I unintentionally, deliberately don't have salad. We can get into it, can't we? I'm sure. So <laughs> if you're asking me how I'm feeling, I'm pretty flat. I was at the Gloucester game at the weekend. Is that to Sally's house? Um, guilty. Payback knowledge. Mate, get in the lawyers, mate. I don't know how I've been brought up into this fucking storm, but like I said, mate, you want the best. You've got to sign them. I don't know whether you can say that anymore. Um, I, I think it, this week, and we'll get into it, is a terrible, terrible week for rugby as a sport. I think it's awful. Do you blame Andy Good for any of this? I'd, sorry, I haven't. T- just to clarify, I have not taken any co-investments from Nigel Ray. I have not been involved in any properties with anyone from Saracens. So how this can be my fault, I don't know. But over to you, Jim. I think people like Goody have fueled the fire. That's what I think. And, th- and that, for me, is the saddest thing out of it. I I'm ain't not- sad, mate. I yeah, ain't sad. I, I'm sad. I'm sad. I'm sad because n- not f- necessarily from your gloating about the situation. I was more sad, and as I said, as the week went further on, and I watched... Rob Shaw's interview and I watched Danny Kerr's interview the salary cap salary issue. cap's worse than Bloodgate why? because Bloodgate was a one-off thing and I'm not I'm not saying it's right it's completely wrong uh, the way they did it but the fact was they took the, the hit because they did it so poorly a lot of people were pushing those boundaries a lot of teams Clive Woodward's England team it's come out that you know, they were cutting people in the changing rooms at half time to be able to put uh, injections in them so that they could get past a, uh, a drugs test for um, anaesthetic anaesthetic and painkilling drugs. A lot of teams were doing various different things. Quinn's got done for doing that once. Yeah. So is that, you're telling me that's the first time they, that they were involved in blood capsules or that's the first time they were caught? 
Uh, I, I, truth is, I don't know. Well, there you go. This whole Bloodgate scandal that went on there, that was out and out cheating on the rugby pitch. So and Saracens have cheated both on and off the rugby pitch, but not intentionally. Quinn's did it intentionally. Mate, no, they they have, have, well, no, legally, legally so is irrelevant. Well, hang on, legal's everything. No, it's this not. is the whole Sar- thing. Well, well, legally, Saracens have signed up to the salary cap agreement yeah. and the fundamentals of it that they've all signed up for where they get part of that process is that they get the funding from the RFU, the TV revenue and all that. So they can take all that they want from that, but then they signed up for the, and agreed to comply with the salary cap and then they've deliberately tried to find ways of going around it and have found ways of going, going around but, it. But the report concludes, and I've got the quotes, that Saris has made no deliberate or willful attempt to exceed the cap. So... I'm only going based on what I'm reading there. Look, I, I'm not stupid. and, and neither, well, You are. Well, I am. Very true. <laughs> I am, actually. But you've got, to, you've got to try and contextualize what we're saying here to make sure that it comes across the right way. Is there a part of me that can see why people would be annoyed? Yes, there is. But my opinion is, let the process come through and see what the findings find. Because... As it stands well, they now, they found them. They found them to be in breach of appeal. it. But in the here and now, yeah. they've been found but guilty. But that's what I'm saying. But the words used in it is unwillfully and no, not deliberate. Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, it's all I, conjecture, I, isn't it? They've definitely done it. Otherwise, uh, you know, Lord Dyson, who's one of the most senior judges of and in our land, yeah. has found them guilty. But let's see what the report. We need to see the report. But we don't see the report though. There's all uh, there's reasons behind not Why? seeing the report because all the clubs have, have signed up to confidentiality. They don't have to release any detail at all. We have to trust the system. Okay. And that's what it is. Well, we can have a chat now to the journalist at the Mail who looked into the Saracens scandal uh, and set the ball rolling with this investigation, really. Laura Lambert from the Mail joins us now. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Hey, Laura. It's good to have you on in what has been a pretty incredible week, I think we should all say, not just in rugby, but in sport. I I just wanted to start the, the kind of interview uh, and the chat just to find out what motivated you to investigate Saracens and how that all came about. Well, it was just, um, I think it's been well documented. There's been long running rumours about the cat. And I just wanted to see if there was anything behind that and see if there was anything that wasn't in the public domain. So yeah, it's just, I thought I, I might as well look into it and, and see what what was up and you say rumors uh, what do you mean rumors on social media would you say hearsay within and around clubs i think in the fallout to all of this a lot of people have said you know this has been going on for years we've thought this has been going on for years i think you know if you look at the strength of the saracen squad i think there were naturally you know questions um and i wanted to know whether they were fair questions to be asked of whether that squad could fit within the cap so I just wanted to see if I could, you know, if I looked into it for long enough, um, them and, you know, and other clubs, it, it, this isn't about Saracens, it's about the cap. And I wanted to know what was going on behind the scenes, really. And how long, just for context for our listeners, how long did it take you uh, to look at it and then produce the findings? Um, and I suppose a question from other fans as well. Obviously, are you looking at other clubs as well or was it just purely focused on Saracens? So I started looking into it uh, last October and, you know, I've, I've have my my job is not just has not just been this i've had other things to do so it was sort of when whenever i had time i sort of dipped in and out of it for a process of around sort of four months and then had uncovered quite a bit by that time and so we published our initial investigation in march uh, but you know although that initial investigation only covered saracens that you know we had looked into some other um some other clubs at the time and and 
you know, that what what we uncovered was was about Saracens. But that's not to say that in the future other things might come out about other clubs. Who knows? Oh, watch out, other clubs. Um, and were you, were you surprised with what you found or not? Uh, yes, I, I was. To be honest, I don't. You know, I don't think that uh, these co-investment companies were known about. Um, certainly not given the reaction and you know, the the properties as well. So I think, you know, I I was surprised to find it uh, because I think my view was that if it had been known about for so many years that, you know, how no one had found it before. So I was surprised when I found it. And, you know, I then had to let the process run its course. You know, this, my my job isn't to bring any sanctions or otherwise to a club that's that's for people uh, far more intelligent than I. But, um, you know, I, I then had to wait and, and see what, what would come of, of what we uncovered. And, you know, that that obviously came to light last week. So when you uncovered this, if you like, and you, and you went mm-hmm. through the, the co-investments, but more probably mm. importantly, the company and the company names. So when you initially saw that, did you think that Nigel Ray and the club were trying to hide something and uh, were, were trying to cheat the salary cap? Was that your initial thinking when you saw that and it was like wow because when you actually look at the names of the company ah, you know this is me and there's going to be a bias with me and Goody sat here and he's got a different <laughs> different opinion and, and that's a natural thing I think it's great to have a balanced view on this but but my thing about it is is that the, the, the names of the of the companies are glaringly obvious that they weren't meant to be hid the money wasn't thrown away on offshore which is rumored to have had in years gone by not by saracens but by you know other clubs and again we don't know that information that that is rumored but so just back to my question do you think that nigel was trying to hide anything by setting up these um these businesses well you know i i don't think it's really for me to pass judgment on whether it was you know they were trying to hide it or not that that's for an independent panel to to work out but you know, I, I certainly didn't think that it was something that all the other clubs and and players knew was happening. You know, a lot of people have said to me since this came out, you know, all oh, the companies, they were, their names are so obvious. But I don't, you know, companies, how you can't search by shareholders. So, yes, the names have been changed to reflect the names of the players involved. But you can't see initially that Nigel Ray is involved in them. You have to... You know, he's not a director of these companies, or you know, so you have to look into the shareholding, uh, which is on company's house, but it's not, you know, on the initial page that you get to. So, you know, as you'll know, Jim, you know, a lot of players have companies, and those are totally legitimate companies that they have, and so, um, you know, you could look at lots and lots of players, and some of them will be totally, you know, not linked to a, a club owner. So it was then just trying to work out which which companies were linked to owners so you know as i said it's not it's not for me to say whether i think that they were trying to see the system but i think as the independent panel found that, that there hadn't been a transparency with premiership rugby and i think had they been open and honest with premiership rugby that these co-investments existed i don't think we would have got to this stage now obviously from from jim's point of view he, he's uh part has been part of that saracen squad mm-hmm. and i was quite surprised that jim's name came up in your original article because <laughs> you know normally second team players don't don't come into these big investments but jim, jim was very happy that you did name him because it, it gave him some profile more, more media profile yeah were, were you surprised that jim was involved i think it was like a one-bedroom flat in luton or something that he had uh, i i have you know I, I don't know jim i have no idea you know i've to be honest with you, it wasn't when I was surprised about the identities of the players involved. It was it was really just the fact that there were players linked to Nigel Ray. That was all it was. I don't know if you can answer this, but just looking back on some of the articles and stuff um, that have been published in the Daily Mail, so it, mm. it, it, it quotes, and I might be completely wrong here and get the terminology uh, wrong, and I'm not too sure if you can answer it, but 
it reported that a rival club hired accountants to look into Saracens as well. So obviously you were doing your job. Are you privy to that information at all about what other clubs pushed pushed out the uh, the accountants to do that? I'm afraid I really don't. I, you know, I, I only know what was written. I, I can't really comment more than that, I'm afraid. Sorry. But the thing on the salary cap is it does... Um encourage whistleblowers so other clubs and anyone is encouraged to come out as a whistleblower so do you, do you actually think Laura that the Premiership Rugby would have investigated it as much as they did um, without your article and without your investigation because obviously you know your fantastic work allowed this to be put out in the public domain as opposed to sort of people whispering about it uh, it's really really hard for me to say I have absolutely no idea what they would or wouldn't have done you know I think the fact that it got to this level, I, I, you know, sport resolutions getting involved in an independent panel, I have no clue whether it would have got to that. But I think the difference here versus a few years ago is that, you know, that it has been taken incredibly seriously and they've they've obviously followed the process. And, and I think Premiership Rugby, I think, felt under pressure, I, I think fairly from all the clubs and for integrity purposes to, to really investigate this. But, you know, they say that they were already doing investigations and they say that Andrew Rogers, the salary cap manager, investigates clubs all the time. I don't know, you know, their level of what they call an investigation versus, you know, other people's. I don't know whether they would have uncovered, you know, what we did and, and, and what they'd done already by the time our story was published in March. But, you know, I think... Overall, whatever happens with the review, um, when when that eventually plays out, you know, I think what everyone is, well, maybe not Saracens, but I think I think largely the view is that it has shown that they are willing to take salary cap really seriously and uphold it for the integrity of the competition, and I think that's what anyone can really hope for as a competition, regardless of the club that that is involved of the um the actual investigation itself have you had any have you had any contact from saracens i know you're at the the game at the weekend against gloucester and with bt sport uh, was it a decent reception a frosty reception anything coming forth with from saris uh you know i've i've had a running dialogue with their with their press team throughout i, I can't say I've, I've had a sit down chat with nigel ray but probably couldn't have expected that they've been you know fine to deal with and and you know i think obviously i'm probably not the most popular person at alliance park at the moment but i think they've accepted that i'm just doing my job and i know they've got a job to do so you know moving forward i i'm probably heading down there tomorrow for their european cup uh, media day and i don't have any issues with any of them there they've they've been great to me throughout no i'm sure you know they're, they're good people down there and look you know when you break such a big story i mean this is the biggest story to come out of rugby ever in terms of the the profile of the team you know you're going to expect you know tough questions and stuff like that and you know the respect and stuff that you've got from the the rugby public goes with all the hard work that you've done um i just want to ask another question as well because there's a lot of stuff and there's a lot of uh, language being used and a lot of players have come out and given their opinion and stuff like that whether this is a good thing or a bad thing but the the quotes of Saracens being cheats and cheating. Um, I'd, I'd be interested to know whether or not you can answer this or not in terms of where you stand because Stephen Jones reported and he wrote an article and in, uh, stating that the report concluded that Saracens made no deliberate or willful attempt to exceed the cap. So from a Daily Mail perspective and mm-hmm. cheat has been used and, and, that, and that term been thrown around quite a lot, does that mean that Saracens cheated, do you think? Well, you know, I, I am a sports news reporter. I'm not a columnist. I'm not paid to have, you know, an opinion on this. And I and I really don't pass judgment on whether they were or were not trying to deceive anyone. That's, you know, I think the word cheat has been used by, you know, people like, um, I think it was Chris Robshaw said that they were cheating. And, and you know, obviously this, 
the Gloucester fans on Saturday were shouting that they were cheating. It's not really for me to say whether they were trying to cheat the system. I was purely just trying to put something in the public domain, which I didn't feel was publicly known about, and then and then let other people, you know, in the form of an independent panel, pass judgment on, on that. And, and clearly, you know, that, that line about deception, it's interesting. We haven't ever had that as the press. That was something that Saracens had in their statement on last Tuesday. That wasn't in the summary that Premiership Rugby provided, but they're obviously keen to stress that the panel found they weren't trying to deliberately deceive anyone. And, and Stephen Jones has, has obviously written about that line. We, we probably will never actually get the full judgment. Um, my understanding is we'll just only ever get the summary we had last week and then whatever comes out of any review. So I really can't can't say whether, you know, we don't have a view as a paper. We were just trying to you know, look into the club and it's, you know, how how it how it runs within or without salary cap, and and then let let others decide whether you know how they how they want to view it. And just on the independent uh, panel that that investigated mm. it, yeah. did did they come to you and ask for all your findings, or, or was it a case of um, you know, thanks for the information, they've read your article, we're going to look into it ourselves? How, how much of it did you have to pass across, or can you talk about that? I had absolutely no dealings with them. Um, you know, as I said, I think PRL say that they were already investigating Saracens um, and that they brought the charges in June. So I don't know what, inv- what evidence they go forward, but I, I haven't had any dealings with the independent panels, poor resolutions, PRL even. You know, I said that I was happy to pass on anything that was in my investigation. But to be honest with you, <laughs> most of what we found was, you know, we published in the paper in March. So they, they pretty much had that anyway. All right, Laura, thank you so much for coming on the show and um, talking to us about uh, your story and congratulations on the story. It's, it's, it's obviously a lot of hard work that's gone into it um, and we'll leave it there. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks, Thanks. Laura. Cheers, Laura. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Wow, James. She's been paid to write for the Daily Mail and investigate sports issues. And so she's only doing a job and that's the thing that everyone's got to remember. She's paid to do that job and... Whatever she finds and she publishes, she has every right to. Uh, and whether you know people are going to hold a grudge against her or against the Daily Mail as a newspaper or any other newspapers, you know, you talked about Stephen Jones, what an absolute clown he is. Uh, you know, his article was ludicrous on Sunday, uh, and he's just doing that to get people to talk about him so he stays relevant. But the reality of it is, she's just doing a job, and that's what we've all got to remember in this. Hundred percent. And look, you know, as to, as to quote the famous Spider-Man's dad, with great power comes great responsibility. You know, and, and that, she's got responsibility to herself and her family to oh, do a job. One million percent, and, and I completely get that. But when you put yourself out there to do such a high-profile job, and and off the back of the job that you've done, the invest uh, the investigation that you've done has brought to the table what it's brought in terms of Saracens, which is the biggest news to come out of rugby in the professional era, in my opinion. So, so bigger, than, bigger than Bloodgate. So, so, well, in terms of this, in terms of where we are now, do you know what I mean? The people, the fact that people think it's bigger than Bloodgate. Yeah. With that, we're allowed to sit here and ask the questions. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate uh, that. So, you know, it, that's part of, part of it, isn't it? Yeah. The findings. I'm interested to know what other clubs... Uh, accountants got involved I'm interested to know where the rumours came from and, and what motivated her she, well, she, I mean? she said that they look at all teams if every club had stuck to what's in the agreement then there wouldn't be a story would there well I think because of Saracens again look it's so difficult to comment because we, we, we haven't got the information in front of us if we had the information in front of us and it said 
right? They're paying Maro Toji two million pound in an offshore bank account. You know, they're paying Owen Farrell X amount in an offshore bank account, or they're paying his, his wife to be a cleaner, but they're paying hundred fifty grand at the stadium. That's where I feel completely different. I know about these co-investments. Loads of people, the rumours about the co-investments. People talk about these co-investments. So from my opinion is, and, and the club have come out, and I have been a part of this, so I know what it is. I was at Saracens not because of money. I was at Montpellier because of money. I went back to Saracens and did I benefit financially more there than being at another club? No. Everything's individual. And I understand where you're coming from. No one in rugby can look at that squad that they've built over three years and they've had success and we've all stood there and clapped and applauded and say that, why should we not look into it? Of course you can look into it. So tell me what your problem is with the and other people's problems and, and Danny Kerr saying that they should be relegated down to the championship I mean, that's and Rob Shaw saying yeah. that they're cheats. If you were a player at another team or if you're Rob Baxter, these co-investments, what would annoy you about them? Okay, so every club signs up to the parameters of the salary cap and every club signs up to those parameters knowing that alongside that is the all the revenue coming from TV, all the revenue coming from the RFU and that's all interlinked into making the premiership a sustainable league where everyone sits under the salary cap so it's a level playing field etc etc now salary is defined in the wage cap as salary wage fee remuneration compensation match fee per dm royalty gratuity profit reward emolument earnings incentive retainer loyalty payment preferred payment or any other sum that's salary defined in the wage cap now i ain't got a problem with the co-investments but they have to sit under the salary cap. In the salary cap regs, it talks about declaring absolutely everything. So Nigel Ray's used words like there's precedent for it because they've done they've mentioned a co-investment before and that's been passed through. But what they haven't done, and I don't I don't sit there and yeah, you know, I like Nigel Ray. I've got a lot of time for him. I think he's done wonderful things for Saracens, for the game of rugby. But ultimately you have to abide by what you've signed up for. So he's talking about a precedent of, of a co-investment. What they haven't done is declare all the co-investments. And in the salary cap, it talks about disclosing payments to players. So all contracts and documents have to be provided. They haven't provided all that. So they haven't been clear in every single co-investment that he's made. He's saying, I can do what I want with my players. And half of me says, listen, he's helping out players in the future. But the other half of me is like, well, actually, it sits under the salary cap. And it should sit under the salary cap because, you know, and here's the thing, for the three years that they've been found out, the salary cap is 54 pages long. This year, it's something like 114 pages long. So it's overly doubled the definitions and everything in it. And people are talking about, you know, this year they're going to be out over the salary cap again. The issue with Premiership Rugby is the salary cap gets investigated for the previous year at the end of the season when all declarations are made. So you can't find a team within that season. So people like Danny Kerr coming out saying, boot them out of the league, you know, take all their trophies off. And that's not in the regulations. So I'm not for I'm not one for taking the league titles off them. They're tainted. I'm I wouldn't not, say they're tainted. They are 100 percent tainted. Well, why? Why are they tainted? Well, because, well, okay, I'll, I'll rephrase that. They're tainted if the, after the review, if Saracens put the review in, I don't know, I don't think they still put the review in that they're found guilty and they accept the punishment. Of course, they're tainted then. Oh, I don't know, but I, I, no, I tell, I, I'm I'm you know you, you go through all that information and clearly there's an emotional attachment there because of my time at the club that had nothing to do with money, it had to do with people. And Nigel Ray and the Ray family, Lucy Ray, the people involved there. Great people. At the club. That's the thing. They're great people. And I genuinely think, hand on heart, that they want to do the best by the people at the club. I've been at other clubs before where you talk about contractual law and you talk about signing contracts and you're signing up for that where players will be at the club, even if they've been there for four or five years, 
they'll wreck their knee and contractually after six months, then you, you get your salary halved. And then after the 12 months, you can have your contract terminated. Saracens would never do that. But other clubs do. When I was at Gloucester, they did. Okay, and... But that, that's a personal choice, though. Well, a personal choice from who? The club? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Because it's in a contract. Yeah. It is in and a contract, like- but I just think in terms of the player welfare, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep... Yes, there's all this other stuff that you're talking about, but I'm talking about from an emotional and having been inside that camp. And I'm sure this stuff will unfold and, you know, like whatever. You know, whatever's going to come out of it is whatever. But I need to... Because we have got a platform. And you've given your opinion. Danny Kerr's given his opinion. Rob Shaw's given his opinion. Rob Baxter and thousands of other people on social media. You know, th- that's how I feel about the situation. And it will all unravel. I don't think it's done with any malice. I think it's been all been done with good intent. And look, you know, if you want to look at it, so say they couldn't afford Marrow, they couldn't afford Owen, they couldn't afford the Vunapolders. They'd have to go and play, they'd have to go and play in France then, won't they? Why? So then what? They could go to another pension club. Who's going to afford them then? But this is the thing. If part- they go to another club, they're worth double but probably what, what, what they're getting paid at Saracens. I, I, I doubt that very much. No? Listen, I completely understand where you're coming from because you're emotionally attached to it. And like some people said, no one's died. You know, what they've done is is they've enhanced people's lives, but they've enhanced people's lives outside of the regulations that they've signed up for as a club. And that's the debate, whether it's a, a debate of right and wrong. They've done a lot of right for a lot of people, but they've gone outside the regulations of what they've signed up for as a club in terms of what is allowed within the salary cap for the Premiership. Now, you look at wages over the last three, four years. Where have they gone? They've skyrocketed, right. to, especially what, with the top players. And what's what's the reasoning behind What's part of the reasoning behind that? Well, I think that the, the, initially when three or four players get bumped up, the rest of the players want paid the same amount of money. Right, so the market dictates what players get paid. Now, there's a couple of things that Saracens do, and whether people know about this or not, other clubs struggle to do. So Saracens have been able to hold on to all these superstar England players that they've brought through the academy that have got better and better but they've also added a lot of extra talent as well and I don't I hate bringing it back to Harlequins because I know there's it's a different story there Quinns won the league in 2012 whenever it was and they had a core of England players everyone knew at Quinns when that core of England players weren't playing when they're away with England when they're away injured or whatever the next tier of players weren't good enough because they supposedly stuck within the salary cap Saracens Marrow Cruzo playing for England in the years we're talking about, by the way, they had big Willie Skelton and big Jim Hamilton. You're a 63 cap international. Guilty. Will, I mean, it's only Scotland, but <laughs> it's what it is. Will Skelton, a Wallabies international. Yeah, I know where you're going with the depth so, of the so squad. Depth of the squad. So that's the difference then. But then the other thing that not anyone's talked about yet, and I know on first hand, a lot of these Saracens players don't have agents that do their rugby contracts. And I'd say there's a huge percentage of that squad that do their contracts with people at Saracens. So they don't have an agent, they have a commercial agent. Farrell's got a commercial agent. Marrow's got a commercial agent. Do those players individually do their deals with Saracens? Yes, they do. So when you're talking about whistleblowers, when you're talking about what is the market, when you're talking about a player being touted around other clubs, there's no agent involvement in any of these deals at Saracens because and agents won't deal with Saracens now. Some of them won't. Because they know that Saracens will take the player, then get them to get rid of their agents. The agent loses all his fees and the agent doesn't do the deal. So the player does the deal with Saracens directly. So no one knows what, what they're earning, and which is then the secrecy, the, the confidentiality. It doesn't get out into the public domain of what they're being paid, how they're being paid. I think that that should be out of the public domain. I, I think salary should be like it is in America. Here's one for you. I'm going to throw a crow amongst the rats. <laughs> 
So while we're talking about it, we're talking about rumours and we can talk about that and we can make speculation. Do you think other clubs then are breaking the salary cap? I believe other clubs have at some point broken the salary cap. Do you think they are breaking the salary cap? Though? Right so now. You look, you look at the, the quality of players that are, uh, some teams are signing. You look at teams now, they want to catch up with Saracens because everyone knows they're breaking the salary cap. Well, what they've done, what Saracens have done in the way they've done it is the market's now shot up massively and players are getting paid a hell of a lot more, which... As an expert, let's just be honest about it. Every contract I went for in my career, bar one, was the biggest contract that was on the table for me. So I, I, I went after you know more money. And when you lay out all the contracts on the table, I signed, apart from once in my career, twice, sorry, in my career, I signed the biggest contract that was available for How me. How much was it? couple of quid here or there. That's all I'm saying. So uh, you're not answering I'm, my question. You push your foot around. But no, so what, what I'm saying is, is there other clubs out there that you think, as someone who's interested in this salary cap issue, is are there other clubs out there that but you think part of the salary? The what I'm saying is part of the salary cap is to make a level playing field, but also so clubs are sustainable. Forty-five million quid year on year is lost by Premiership clubs as a whole. So the fact that the biggest increase has been wages has been driven by Saracens setting the market. Mm, not necessarily. Uh, uh, are there other clubs that are breaking the salary cap though? Good. I, I believe there has been. I said it on BT Sport on on uh, Sunday. What's your you look quite lean on TV. Actually. I mean, black slimming. Um, there's been rumours that three or four years ago, two clubs got a undisclosed behind closed doors fine, brushed under the carpet, you know, and people are making silly things. Danny Kerr saying then they, they take them out of the competition, strip them of the titles. That's not in the regulations. So it's not even a conversation. Tony Rose saying boot them out of the league as well. Ridiculous because that's not what they've signed up for. You know, clubs know and understand what's happened. And and it's the whole rhetoric between salary and co-investment and what should come under the salary gap and what shouldn't. That's a lot of the debate. But ultimately, Nigel Ray said they made mistakes and didn't disclose all the payments in his own video. So, so just answer my question quickly. Do you think there's anyone now in this current climate, in the premiership at the minute, that are breaking the cap? In your uh, opinion? In my opinion... I'd, I'd say only Saracens. Right. So lastly, on all this, right? So it all comes down to these co-investments. That's what it looks like. Okay. In, it in, looks in, like that. And I agree. That's the big thing. But it, that isn't the, necessarily the whole thing. No, it but isn't. it's no. a massive part. Of yeah, it. it is. Yeah. And, and one thing it's probably best to mention as well, and Nigel's stated this, and again, is there a bias? Then, you know, that's up to the listeners to decide. But when you're making these co-investments and you go into business uh, and all these things that have been well documented now that have come out after the report and after the investigation, and Nigel's right in saying that they're a risk. It's not as if he's handing over £100,000 or £200,000, £500,000, whatever these numbers are, £10,000. You know, he's going into business and he knows as a businessman, He's not doing it thinking he's, you know, thinking that he's going to make a load of money. It's a risk. And I think that that's what people need to be aware of that, you know, when he's gone into these co-investments, everyone keeps using that terminology that, that it is a risk. And I think that they, they want to get that out there that it is. It's not as simple as just giving someone a load of money. Yeah. And I, I understand that. And it's, you know, it, that's going to be the debating point for a long, long time. The issue is it needs to be an end point at some point. So they go with, for, for a review. They've got to look at what they do in Europe as well. Um, you know, do they prioritise staying in the Premiership? And you know, these England players can only play seven games uh, of Premiership rugby at the moment. I, I, if I think if play. it all goes through, Goody, I don't think. I, yeah, I think that if it, it's sped through, I think everyone wants it sorted now, don't they? I think that you know if the points reduction stays, or you know if it, if it's slightly less. Then I think Europe's gone for Saracens, and they've got to look into this and try and rebuild. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because another point on it that people haven't really mentioned too much of in the salary cap regulations, it says the responsibility to fulfil the obligation of the salary cap rests with the CEO of the company. How many CEOs of Saracens had over the last couple of years? Ed Griffiths started it all. He's gone. There's another guy gone, Van Zale. Yeah, he was fine. He was. He, he was this is what I'm saying. People have left the club under a cloud. So there's no smoke without fire. 
Well, let's have a look at the action on the field. Jim, you were actually at uh, Gloucester, weren't you? Oh, yeah. Let's talk a bit about Ruggers. Eh? Yeah, I was there. I was doing a feature for Rugby Pass actually called Away Days. So we, uh, we documented some of the best stadiums and well-supported clubs. And what a bloody week to do it, eh? Um, <laughs> <laughs> what a week to do it. I mean, I'll talk a little bit about Gloucester because... Uh, I put a thing out on social media this week just following on from this whole scandal debacle whatever you want to call it and I've been brought into it slightly in terms of the Wolfpack Lager and my association with them I am an investor I am an investor in Wolfpack Lager along with Nigel Ray Alistair Hargreaves and Chris Wiles and Gloucester in the week leading up to the games <laughs> I thought it was quite funny actually uh, wanted to take Wolfpack for unforeseen circumstances off the tap when they were selling it cheap so I wasn't going to do anything or say anything about it. I was going to just let it kind of play out and whatever. And being there, and I was in the shed, and I'd say 99.1% of the crowd were were brilliant. Um, so 99.1% were brilliant. They were brilliant, yeah. Yeah, and what, what's the other percentage? 0. 0.8. 0. <laughs> 0. 0.8? 8, is it? 9. <laughs> um, I you said you had a great math teacher. Yeah, but I was going to say 0. 0.8 were horrible. Yeah. And then... The zero point one were disgraceful. Oh, okay. That's what I was going to say. There we go. That was good maths. Yeah, well, exactly. What so, are the disgraceful people doing? Um, let me just reiterate. Everyone was good to me there when I went back. Played played at Gloucester. Captain the team. A lot of respect for the club. Love what they're doing now. Love the way that they're playing. You know. And there was a couple of people. One threw a celery at me. Get it? Don't break they it. They can't. They can't spell celery cap. They can't it? spell celery cap. Yeah, well, I got it. Salary. Anyway. Didn't mind that. But there was a, there was a couple of people that said Saracens, you turncoat. See you next Tuesday uh, take what's, your, what's happening on Tuesday take, as I, who knows take your wolf pack piss and fuck off home so someone said that to me in the back of my head and I was like right. was he, was he going to have it no he wasn't going to have it I thought forget it I'm going to get involved now because it was all quite jovial but then I'm watching the guys warming up the Saracens team you know I'm watching the demeanour of the Saracens coaches and you know there was just a couple of things I just thought well you know why I, I get, I'm involved in Wolfpack Lager as well you know they've been brought into it I, I've invested in it so I did, I did a little video at the end that's kind of gone viral where I went and ordered a, a, a pint of Wolfpack and even though it got um, advertised as only being £3.50 it was actually £4.50 it was pound for the cup pound for the cup but that wasn't stipulated but that was in the small print apparently and then I th- I had a throwaway comment of, of who won the game and as we know Saracens won why have been so horrible a couple of people went down like a shit sandwich <laughs> I did ask the people behind um, serving the bit could I do a video they said yes and again as social media is 80% of it was found it funny and saw the funny side of it 20% not so much. Um, so we've lost a load of fans because of you, Jim. We've got saying. no fans. We've lost um, a load of listeners. That's of not normally me. I don't I, I don't, don't normally get involved in all this controversy, Andy Good. hence why you've got 4,000 more followers than me. But now I just felt as if like I wanted to get in amongst it. So I stopped my meal out on Saturday and I got involved in the Andy Good chair of social media, Twitter interaction. until about one in the morning and woke up. I thought I'd feel better. I felt even worse. So I switched <laughs> it off. But... Saracens did their talking on the pitch in that match in the face of adversity with a lot of young lads against a very good Gloucester team uh, I was really disappointed with the way that Gloucester played there's question marks over Sips now they took him off again for the second week running they took him off against Leicester well he had to be at Celebrity X Factor if you saw it he was there in like no time at all are from you Gloucester, joking from Gloucester to the, the studios well, he, maybe, he, was in the, he was in the crowd maybe that's why and I'm like ah oh, he got subbed off early to get I'm joking he didn't get subbed off early for all the listeners so he could leave the ground early like Ronaldo did for Juventus. But let's not talk about that either. He, yeah, I mean, Gloucester were... Oh, I sat down, I sat there, put the girls to bed, give an afternoon sleep. I was like, time it around the rugby. And I'm thinking, this is going to be raucous. It's going to be unbelievable. Gloucester are going to come out firing. I thought Ackerman picked the wrong team. He picked his, and all due respect, 
of the rotations he made in his squad, doesn't matter what team plays for Saracens, what team's picked, it's going to be physical. So he picked his least physical back rowers of all the back rowers he's got. And they're all, you know, I'm not saying they're not physical, but I was disappointed. And I, I thought they were going to come out. I thought there was going to be a raucous atmosphere. And the atmosphere at Gloucester always goes with the game, doesn't it? Yeah. They yeah. were respectable, to be honest with yeah, you. There was they, a little bit of, of jeering. And but stuff. fair play to Saracens. They rocked up, like Jim said, with a young team and some old heads, you know. Um, but yeah, I was very disappointed in Gloucester, actually. And Saracens were pretty good on the day, weren't they? They were. Yeah, there was a big injury as well to Ralph oh, Adams Hale as well. Horrible. One of the worst injuries I think I've ever seen. I'll be honest with you. So he, he's at Bristol Hospital. He's had surgery. Uh, he's got a second surgery later later in this week. I'm going to pop down and see him actually because coached him when he was in the academy. Lovely bloke, and uh, he, he's been playing. He's 22 years old. He's been awesome this season. And bloody hell, we wish him well because that was a nasty injury. And of course, uh, Quinn's really struggled with the uh, the news of the Saracens. Oh. <laughs> I think everyone outside of Worcester probably didn't see that coming. Worcester haven't won many away games at all, have they? And uh, um, Quinn's went 14-3 up pretty early on, but. As ever, they flatter to deceive, don't they? And I'll let Jim discuss why. Look, it'd be pointless for me to talk about the game because I didn't say it. There's been a lot going on this weekend, I'll be honest. Um, yeah. Blame, blame Saracens? Yeah, blame Saracens. I, I tweeted that and again. Bit spiteful. No, bit of banter. Who knows? Well, you know, everything that, that's gone out this week has been banter or whatever. Fuck it, I'll throw one out there as well. Blame Tarries. <laughs> Fair play to Worcester. You know yeah. what I mean? In terms of their performances and stuff like that. You know, I looked at the squads at the beginning of the season. We spoke about on here. We predicted our top four and we said who were going to go down. I tip Worcester to go down. I can't see them going down now. The brand of rugby that they play, they're settled in their coaching setup with, with Solomon's at the helm. They're settled at 10 with Dunkey Weir. They're well coached. They've got a game plan. You, you know, know, I just you know don't... Dunkey Weir didn't play. Shows, shows they didn't watch it shows hey, shows they've got strength in depth <laughs> Exeter could have done with a bit more depth uh, going into the second half I mean they they got 17 nil up didn't they against Bristol well yeah. as they got into deeper ground you mean is that yeah, what you mean I don't know what yeah, I mean yeah mate. who knows mate, mate uh, yeah Exeter first half were phenomenal dominated the old Exeter that everyone expected um, Slade was on fire touched the brilliant Stuart Hogg was him between him and Slade for man of the match at half time you're like well they're going to win this by 30 Bristol were nowhere Man, I need to see I've not seen Exeter play I've not seen Hoggy play yet well he played well was he yeah he did play well and he would have got man of the match had they won according to Lawrence but second half it was like they were a pub team at times so Exeter were 17-13 up with 30 seconds on the clock they're in Bristol's 22 all you got to do is five slow rucks Kick it out. You've won the game. They can't get the bonus point. They've only scored two tries. But they're still playing helter-skelter like X to play. And then they get turned over in their 22. Bristol get the penalty. Kick to the line-out. They then give a penalty away at the line-out. Bristol kick another one. Then they get driven over. Lose the game. I mean, I've never seen X to do that in my life. Game management, shocking. And Rob Baxter, he was... Whose fault was it? Um, Saracens, I think. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I was, I was, you know, you've got Steenson on the bench. who's a very experienced game manager. Um, Simmons is a great player at 10 but I just thought they were clueless really um, like in the second half they were clueless and again we on the first podcast of talking about the Prem I said I didn't think extra would make top four but this is the no, thing no no I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm not trying to take the piss here like genuinely do you think they're a top four team this yeah season? the way they played in that first half they were awesome right. and then second half they were shocking well London Irish showed that they're not going to be easy beats by any stretch this season um, Ark Alexander 12 has tweeted in just regarding um, London Irish humping the Tigers is it time for the Tigers to take a look at their structure how much of an effect does the board have and fans seem to have had enough of them Goody, you'll have an opinion on this, um, as you do with Leicester. I'm gutted. Uh, again, another team that 
I love. I uh, started there and we we spoke about them a lot last season, didn't we, in terms of them finishing second from bottom. They had a few problems. Uh, Jordy Murphy, head coach, my best mate's one of the coaches at the team. Um, I ain't a coach there. Well, I'm well we're not friends today. Oh. Um, <laughs> you know, London Irish, no disrespect, but they, I just don't think, well, obviously, I don't think anything, it doesn't matter what you think. There's a, you know, to, to get absolutely smoked by London Irish, albeit away from home, being Leicester, you know, it's just unheard of. Uh, I don't, I don't really think it's necessarily the scoreline. It's the performance, and, and that performance. I did see some of the stuff in that game. I, I just don't know what, what you can say, Goody. They, they, they were lucky last week against Gloucester. And you've got to buy your luck. They're rock bottom. You uh, know, they've got the boys to come back. You know, will that make a difference? We will see. Do you buy your luck in the salary cap or not, Jim? Yeah. 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 Um, no, listen, Le- Leicester in a dark place. Let's make no bones about it. The bottom of the league, but again. I feel for Jordan and I feel for Brett Deacon and I feel for the coaches because what's happening at the club now is a byproduct of what's gone on for the last four or five years. The squad ain't good enough. And I said last year, you look at the squad and that was, I said last year, I think I said at the start of the season, that's a mid-table squad at best. They nearly get relegated. Now this year, everyone else has improved their squads and I'm looking at the Leicester team. Taufu is a good player. You know, they've signed... Uh, Thomas Lavanini. Lavanini. He's going to get red carded at some point, no doubt. But he, he's a good player. But I look at the squad and I'm still like, it ain't that great. No. It takes, and I'll, I'll reiterate the point I've made, it takes three years for a director of rugby slash head coach to get the squad that he wants. And, you know, it's just been shocking mismanagement and shocking uh, recruitment, I think, off the field that has led them into this position. I love that club. I play, you know, I've played 200 games for the club, spent 10 years there, and it's it's moved, and we've said it before, it's moved more corporately than a family club. So, you know, you talk, talk about the Saracens family way and you know, various different reasons, pros and cons for that. But Leicester have gone away from that. And that's why the fans, and the question comes in there from Mark Alexander 12, the fans seem to have had enough because it's more of a corporate club as opposed to a family club. And I know a lot of it comes with winning and being successful and having stability, but they've had no stability at the top. They've chopped and changed head coach after head coach. And, you know, Simon Cohen, who has come on the pod in terms of doing a, a Patreon piece with us he's you know, I get on well with him I've said these things to him as well the ownership they're looking at selling the club uh, the fans you know they're still one of if not the biggest supported club in the land week to week they are that, that's the thing that's you know in terms of viewership and producer Tim will know more than this and so BT Sport are the leading broadcaster they're privy to the figures and they say Leicester Tigers are the most well-supported team so they want to put them on camera they want to put them on show you know I'm, I'm sad about it you know the game has evolved now you look at I mean look at Bristol for example that is the model now in terms of you know you look at the profile of their team their recruitment the academies and stuff that that teams are showcasing it's difficult because Leicester have got a really good academy they, they've won it back-to-back seasons the the academy championship i was there with rugby pass last year i watched them win the final they've got some really good kids coming through but you know these young lads coming through need to aspire and need to be embedded into a winning culture not necessarily winning premierships and winning european cups but just winning you know and being in amongst the top four the top six teams to understand what it feels like to be in a team that wants to win and, and has got that desire i just i, I have no, I, i've got no clue when i watch leicester i've got no clue whatsoever what they're trying to be, who they are, who the leaders are, who the captain is, who to follow. We're used to a Leicester team in our day and people think Leicester, people think, oh, that's a big club. It ain't anymore. It's a big club in terms of numbers, bums on seats, watching and the size of the stadium. But in terms of what they're producing on the field, they need to be, yeah, again, relegation candidates. 
They're they're in it. Loads of clubs are in it this year. Wasps are in it this year at the minute. Yeah, we haven't spoken about them from Friday night. A dog who? What are you doing? Huey MCRs actually tweeted in um, asking about that fly kick into Van Rensburg. Was it a red card or just a rugby incident? Oh red my card word! All, it's a red card all day long. <laughs> I think he's trying to put his toe into the back of his head through his eye. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, I mean the two two things on it. Firstly, stupid. He's gone up and he's got a bent knee as what, he's caught what, the ball, what, and then he's he... extended it. Hiya! Hiya! <laughs> What's he doing? He's, he's Mr. Miyagi'd him in the face. It's one of them where you can. There's a part of me that can see why he's done it because it's like almost like an instinctive kind of thing that you might do when you're 13. But but then the other side of it, it, the other side of it, you get red carded. His reaction afterwards, and I'll come on to it later. He was in shock. Ridiculous reaction. Footballers' reaction. Clapping the ref, laughing, saying it's a joke, and then chatting, oh, to, the, say that. chatting to the fans as he walks off. Got no fans. Yeah, I mean, he's apologised for his reaction, but that ain't. A, we talk about not a good look for rugby, and we're talking about the Saracens thing and, and the integrity of it now. That as well, from a player's perspective, and we're going to see, we're starting to see a bit of it creeping, appealing for things and all this stuff. Knee stamping out the game. His reaction for the red card was ludicrous. What a contrast this week to last week, eh? Rugby's on it. Rugby's on its knees. <laughs> well, it might be getting up off its knees with the Champions Cup starting this weekend, isn't it? You guys looking forward to a few of those games? Sarri's racing. I mean, I, I can't wait to see Saracen's team, to be honest. I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I've heard on the grapevine, and I, I know nothing from inside the camp, but they were talking, and we spoke about it earlier, uh, Saracen's going to prioritise the Premiership and put a perceived weaker team out in the Champions Cup I can't see him doing it this weekend but I reckon they'll try and win that first game over in Rassim and then see what happens with the with the, the appeal if they do appeal if they take the final whatever whatever but it's, it's a massive game Rassim won away at Stade Francais at the weekend yeah. it's in the La Défense Arena indoors I mean that's going to be a banging atmosphere luckily for Saracens it's away it's away and I don't well luckily for Saracens I don't think the French and the Parisians know much about the salary cap so well, I don't care it all kicks off with uh, Gloucester versus Toulouse this weekend uh, oh. on Friday, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does. I beat Toulouse at King's Home on a Friday night before. Me and my friend Henry Trinder uh, spoke about it on the Patreon content that we did, that it was one of the biggest wins, actually, that we've, we've had in a Gloucester jersey. Well, we can play a little bit of that now for you, just so you can see what's on offer with our Patreon content. Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. We put a lot of emphasis on the supporters. The supporters were great. You know, and I used to love that, and I used to love playing at King's Home. I used to love playing on a Friday night under the lights when we beat Toulouse yeah. in the Heineken Cup. Um, that was one of my favourite games, actually. Yeah. And yeah. you know that that's you know for me that's one of the games that stands out. One of the things that I've always thought with Gloucester is, do you think you, you guys, we put too much emphasis on the, on the supporters? So hence going away from home. And I'm only saying this by what what I've kind of learned by being at Saris, and they, they they had to go a different way. Mm. So what we used to speak about was never we never spoke about the supporters because frankly we didn't have any really. Yeah. So you couldn't use that kind of external motivator. But at Gloucester, that's all we ever spoke about. So we're at King's Home. Look at the supporters, and you run past the shed, and you've got goosebumps, and you're literally thinking how, how many penalties I'm going to give away in the first ten minutes. <laughs> I'm that fired up. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> But then you it's, go away to Newcastle. Do you, you were in hospital, weren't you? After you got pneumonia when we were up in Newcastle. No, it was cold. <laughs> it was definitely we'll, cold. We'll say you got pneumonia, <laughs> you and Johnny. So, but then you got to Newcastle and we had fucking nothing. And we were at terrible. All. And we were terrible. And yeah. you go anywhere and we were terrible. Then you come back home and we'd, we'd bounce back. We so, had that two year unbeaten run at King's Home where no, in, in Europe and in the Premiership and every competition, we didn't get beaten for about two seasons, it was. And that was something special. But it has, it's, it's interesting you say that. It is. It's always been, it's always mentioned, I guess, isn't it? And I've never really thought any differently. I just actually assume that most teams are like, yeah, we've got our fans, let's do it. We're at home, 
go, go, go. But every person you talk to, and as you said, you've been in different clubs, uh, every single other person you talk to is always, there's always been a little bit of, of um, doubt in their mind when it comes to playing at King's home. I mean, the pitch used to be terrible. Now it's the best pitch in the Premiership. So people didn't want to play on the pitch. It was heavy. We were used to it. So we could like dog it out. Uh, now it's the best pitch in the Premiership and, and we've had our best season in the Premiership for a long time on it. So, I mean, the shadow of what they are, they'll, they'll hackle you, they'll look in, in, into you and they'll get into the ref. And maybe that always helps some decisions go your way. But it is, it's, it's a strange one. Just be, for me, it's always been my home. So I've always wanted to play well there and it, it probably does give you that extra two three percent when maybe things aren't going your way just to just to go up but that doesn't really change my mentality away from home but it is it's one of those factors that it's it seems to be home advantage is, is quite strong at king's home and it's always a i like to think it's always a tough place to come and play and they are probably a, a big factor in terms of, of putting that doubt in in people's mind pod 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 rugby pod there you go if you want to hear more of that just head to patreon.com forward slash the rugby pod if you like the sound of that and sign up to get loads of extra interviews and features for just a few quid a month yeah i just said before then you know playing to lose on friday night at gloucester at king's home was one of my fondest memories there it'd be interesting actually because Toulouse are now a force to be reckoned with obviously won the top 14 last year but they spanked a strong Claremont team at home at the weekend and scored an absolute world of a try which I might come to later who's uh, top of the top 14 uh, Leon Leon doing well isn't they country mile and who's bottom uh, Stade Francais oh god yeah night nights for them well, you may have noticed a few players in the Premiership and elsewhere sporting some dodgy tashes over the weekend, uh, as it's well and truly Movember now, so people are doing their bit to raise awareness of men's health issues. One of the conditions at the heart of the campaign is testicular cancer, and we can have a chat now with Newcastle Centre Johnny Williams, who's been battling the disease. Thanks for joining us, Johnny. Uh, how are you doing, mate? No, thanks for having me on. No, yeah, really good. Um, I'm back in training as of today, so yeah, I'm looking forward to putting it all behind me. It's all in the past now, so I can't wait to get back out there now. Yeah, definitely, mate. That'd be good to see. Uh, but we need to go back yeah. just for, for the listeners and stuff and the awareness that you're raising. And, and I know the video yesterday, I actually retweeted it and shared it. it. was It was quite powerful. So I think it's great for the listeners if you just give us a bit of background to your story uh, and how th- that you discovered something was wrong. Yeah, so basically I realised there was a bit of a, a stiffness um, and a hardness back in, back in August because I know a lot of the education is around sort of lumps and bumps. So I didn't think too much of it to be honest i left it for quite a while so i was diagnosed in august but it was sort of three months prior to that where i knew someone was up um but long long story short i then sort of went in for surgery in and around that august time and then started chemotherapy beginning of october so it was about a month since sort of around now that i had my last bag of chemo and i feel 100 percent. i feel good and ready to train and ready to to get back playing. Uh, so it must, it must be really difficult to put into words uh, what it was like when you heard those words from the doctor, especially as you hadn't been uh, immediately to see the doctor. But can you put into perspective the emotions that you went through? I know it's a really hard thing to answer, but it, I mean, it might help more people um, go and get checked, which is obviously what, um, you know, part of the, the, the process really. Yeah, so... He he basically told me it was malignant, and I I had no idea what I was like what I meant. So you, you got you got two types of tumors. You got benign tumors and malignant tumors. So if you got a malignant tumor, it's, it's basically cancerous. But he told me that, and I had no idea what he was talking about. So it was only until sort of after that I knew, like that was the news he broke to me about that. And he was quite efficient. He was quite you know. Like going through the processes of what it looked like and going through surgery. There was no talk of chemotherapy early doors just because 
they didn't know if I would have needed it or not until they've done the the sort of biopsy post surgery. So there's no there's no talk of that. It was yeah that these were the processes and this is malignant, which I didn't had no no idea what I, what it meant to be honest. It was only until after that, and then it did then hit me sort of talking to my parents and telling them what what had actually been been said to me then, um, which was probably probably the hardest bit, and then how I was going to speak to the club and sort of tell them what's been going on with me behind the sort of scenes and stuff. So I didn't know how to handle it from that side of things, but but yeah, no, it's, it's all hindsight now. And it's, yeah, it was tough and it was really tough at the time going through going through the chemo. But yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to just getting back out there now and putting it behind me. And you mentioned talking to the club and, and obviously telling them about the situation. Uh, how supportive have the Falcons been uh, and the RPA as well? Have, have they been a big help towards you in this? Yeah, they've been brilliant. So yeah, Dean's basically let me let me do whatever I want in the sense like if I need to go home, see family, and have that support because they're all sort of based in, in Reading down south. So post surgery and during chemo and all that sort of stuff, I, I've been at home sort of chilling with with the family and seeing them and and friends who and having my just my support network around me. So yeah, the club have been fantastic with that. And yeah, RPA. So Mike McCarthy's our, our RPA guy here, so I've had a few chats with him about like personal development stuff, but also just have a chat with. I think that's quite important as well. And Johnny, uh, sorry if this is a, a little bit too graphic to, to ask you, but I just want to know more about the symptoms because obviously there's a lot of young uh, guys that a lot of men that listen to this podcast, and I just want to understand like we we are in pain or like what what are you actually what are you what are you looking out for in particular? So in my case, it was. It was just a stiffness, just a, like it almost was a bit just hard, um, and then it, it got it got worse. It almost become rock hard, and then yeah, the swelling got pretty big as well. But it got worse progressively, and then to, I mean to be a bit graphic, obviously I was, I was feeling it and knew something was wrong, and then there were dull, dull aches um, that weren't normal. But it's one of those things where they're so subtle. You question yourself if it's actually dull aches or and stuff like this. You can't. Like, kind of question yourself about that but yeah no i basically sort of dropped my pride went to the the club doctor who i see day in day out which is for me a bit awkward because i didn't it's just a thought of going to him when there's not an issue and it just being awkward that, that kind of feeling i was a bit scared of but obviously it ended up being what it was and i should have gone to him straight away because i would have, I would have caught it really early doors and I'll be back playing by now and not having to have the chemo. So, yeah, in hindsight, I wish I just did that a bit quicker. But ultimately, it's, it's done now. Yeah, it is, mate. No, I appreciate you sharing that story. But, you know, let, let, let's look forward now because five months ago in June, you were playing for England against the Barbars and a lot of them players and, and players that you've grown up with have obviously been at the World Cup in Japan, which must have been tough for you to, to watch that and, and going through your process that you were going through. But you're back at the club. So you're looking forward. How far away do you think you are from getting back to them levels? I know there's a few ifs and buts along the way, but in terms of your motivation? Yeah, so I've literally, today is my first day back in the club training. They've already flogged me in the gym and uh, running-wise. But yeah, I've spoken to the physios. They think I'll be back in sort of four weeks from now, which I'm really looking forward to. And then, yeah, watching the World Cup, like proud of the boys who I, who I know personally out there representing England. Um yeah, just really proud of them, and I thought they were fantastic out there. But yeah, no, obviously, personal aspirations—that's that's the kind of levels I want to get to. So hopefully, I can now get my career back on track and follow them in their footsteps. So obviously, you're back in the club for the first day today. You've had five months away from it. What did you miss most? Was it John Wells' tackle technique drills, or is a uh, <laughs> Mickey Ward's rocking? I mean, what's 
What, what have you missed most about being away? Mate, just playing. Just, I think it's one of the best jobs in the world when you you know you can call yourself a professional rugby player. And ultimately, I played rugby because I enjoyed it. It's lucky enough that we all had the opportunity to, to go down and, and do it as a job, you know. So I think sometimes we can take that for granted, you know, when it's miserable, wet in the winter and this, you know, bit of shit. But no, nah, I'm just missing, missing playing, mate, honestly, just... You know, because I love the sport and, you know, like the, the, the crack around the club, like with the boys and the banks and stuff. So nah, I, miss, I miss it all. So um, it's good to be back and around. So mentioned your story and and how important it is, mate. It's massively important. Look, you know, let's not beat around the bush. You know, the story and the fact that you're willing to go out there and tell that. But how important is it for Movember and the, the work of the other charities that do around men's health um, and raising awareness around that in general? Yeah, so a lot of a lot of funding for it goes towards, to be honest, like awareness now. So there's only so much that can be done in terms of funding for new sort of chemotherapies and, and treatments going forward. A lot of the money in the funding goes towards just raising awareness, like catching it as early as possible, because that goes such a long way in terms of, you know, in, in like my case, having chemotherapy and not. But yeah, just catching it early is the, the best thing you can do, really, rather than drugs being new drugs being produced for it that is the number one most important thing is is awareness and catching it early doors and as early as possible to to stop those things from happening all right johnny well thank you very much for coming on the show um best of luck getting back into the season as well and um and great work on, on what you're doing raising that awareness as well mate no thank you very much for having me yeah cheers, cheers johnny. Johnny. thanks for coming on good, good luck with the recovery and everything and enjoy wellsy's tackling cheers, guys. Yeah, cheers. Bye, guys. Fair play. Yeah, top, he's a top boy, actually. Yeah, fair um, play. I mean, I, I watched, I'd heard about it, and, you know, not that I forgot about it, but I saw the video of him yesterday. Naturally, having gone through chemo, it was yeah. completely different. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, at such a young age as well. So, yeah. You're loving life up in Newcastle. And then uh, the, the, the message out of it is check your balls. Yeah, exactly. I had a, another friend who I played with at Gloucester, Darren Daviduk, and the way that he approached it um, was just ridiculous he was still training uh, completely changed his diet you know you take inspiration from these people that, yeah. that do these kind of things and his career you know johnny's career was flying wasn't it? it's been halted so I, I look you know we want to see him back on the pitch healthy and hopefully get back up to them heights that he got to before and don't be scared to talk about it as well that's the other thing that he, he, he obviously said he tried to ignore it for a while and um yeah he's now haven't been through the process check your balls don't be scared to put your hand up and so you think there might be an issue. He said that the old awkward thing with the, the club doctor, you know, it's it's something for all our listeners. Don't be shy, have a, have a fiddle, have a check. Yeah, don't put your hand up. Put your hand down, yeah. get it? Hey, there we go. Should we have a look at the rumour mill? We haven't had that this season, have we? Oh, let's, let's. Any rumours floating around? Yeah, Maro Atoji. Oh, go on. Nothing, I'm joking. <laughs> He's paid how much? <laughs> um, what have we got? Well, this one won't die yet. Obviously, we spoke about Sonny Bill Williams last week going to the Sonny Toronto. Bill. Yeah, the Toronto Wolfpack. Wolfpack, hell of a name. Manu Tuolagi. Toronto Wolfpack. Imagine. I can't see it. If a team need a player ever in the history of needing a player, a team need a player right now when they need Manu back at Leicester. I can't see them going. But, I mean, the money that's been spoken about for Sonny Bill Williams, good friend of mine, um, is astronomical. And as we are talking money at the minute... Money, money, money makes the world go round. Have they got a salary cap in, in the uh, Super League or what? There was talk of uh, Ran Randra going there as well. I saw last week. Semi. Talk of George Ford going to Leeds. Leeds. Rhinos. Well, there's talk of him going. What does that actually mean? There was talk of him going back to Bath as well. Who knows? I don't think he's ever going back to Bath. No. Um, well, actually, the interesting thing on George Ford is that from what I heard, uh, he'd been given a deadline by Tigers to sign a contract. And that 
deadline has passed. I imagine, Ooh. imagine if he leaves Leicester as well. Apparently, he's going to Saracens on the, the old wage cap. Oh, oh, no, interesting uh, to see what happens with him. Um, Kovas Reinach to Montpellier, money, of course. Reese Webb to Bath, but he's loving it in Toulon, isn't he? To Bath, Bath, thank you. It's Bath, it's Bath, it's Bath. If you spent 40 grand a year on your education, Goody, it's Bath, get in the bath, mate. Yeah, bath, get, get in the, the bath. bath. Let's have a look at a couple of social media questions. Um, a few people have been asking why you didn't get a callback for I'm a Celebrity, Jim, and why James Haskell is going into the jungle instead. Well, Jim, Jim didn't get a call in the first place. He made it up. Yeah, I went for the casting last time. You don't believe me. I don't know why you don't believe me. Well, I know the girl that does the casting, so that's why I don't believe you, Jim. Okay, I can swear on my kids' lives, <laughs> so I did. Um, why don't I get the call? Matt, yeah, it ain't me. Z-listers Z ain't me anymore, mate. To be fair to Haskell, and I get on well with Haskell, and He's like Marmite, you either love him or hate him. He's going to have a game plan. We know what he's like. He is relentless. So we called him one in 10 at Wasps. One in 10 gags were half funny. <laughs> the other nine were absolute garbage. And he's literally spraying them out like you wouldn't believe. So campmates are going to need earplugs to deal with his patter. I, the public will yeah. either love him or hate him. And I, I think they'll get. I think they'll quite enjoy him. Yeah, I think, mate, he's a good lad. Has is a good lad. I mean, I'm, I, I, what's happened to the MMA? That's what I want to talk about. <laughs> mate, I thought it was Jordan Bellator. He's going to take the world by storm I think he's realised he's going to get filled in in that I think so there's, okay. more, there's more cash in I'm a celeb no food in the jungle though that's a big thing he'll have his six pack out every single day every single night he'll be getting bit by mosquitoes hung like a pip as well he is he is hung <laughs> like an absolute pip poor thing you may can't have everything can you you can't have everything he's lost his hair and he's hung like a pip <laughs> Jake has tweeted in if you had one pound and a shot full of every single chocolate bar in the world for one pound what would you go for favourite chocolate bar yeah. I'm your man for this aren't I so I'm, I'm between three. This isn't the salary cap. You're not at salaries, mate. You're only getting one. Yeah, I know. I'm only getting one. But for a quid, some places you can get two for one pound. So Where? Well, you, sometimes you go and fill a car up with petrol and put 110 quid in the in the range and then two for one. I'll have, to, I'll have, I'll have four, please. Is that trying to save money? My <laughs> only go-to would be a boost, 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 boost. Eh? boost. Well, I'm going to throw something into you now. Go on then. So my three that I go for and I rotate them, like breakfast is a whisper, uh, lunch is a twirl, and then dinner... Similar to the boost, a star bar. Never had a star bar. Try a star bar. Really? Unbelievable. I might get one on my way home. Have you ever had a Whitaker's peanut slab? What? Yeah. Shut up, Andy. Right? <laughs> oh, what the- so I'm, I'm between a twirl, a whisper, and a star bar. Twirl and whisper are too similar to me. I'm, I'm boost. Going- dime bar. I used to love a dime bar. Star bar's the way forward. Try it, people. You will thank me. Right, well, let's finish things off the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, good. Plenty of good this weekend. We'll start off with England women. Uh, beating France so their first win in France in seven years beat them 2010 so always nice for an England team to get a victory over the French what else was good this week Worcester Warriors winning 19-14 at Harlequins brilliant victory for them puts them on the map uh, let's head over to the Guinness Pro 14 we've not spoken about the Guinness Pro we 14 haven't. this week we had a lot to talk about but Leinster march on absolutely destroying Connacht away from home 42-11 they're now 6 from 6 Munster continued their reign uh, beating Ulster they're now played 6-1-5 five, lost 1 to their top of Conference B in the Guinness Pro 14 is there a salary uh, crap in the Guinness Pro 14? I don't know but um, it's irrelevant in the Saracens debate just yeah. asking just asking uh, what else was good well we'll talk about Saracens we're going to put their rugby team on the field on Saturday, into the good. Oh, I like this. Saracen's on-field performance over Gloucester deserves a mention of the good because whatever happened off the field, whatever happened in the week, you can only judge those players on their performance and they play pretty well. Uh, we'll go over to France for a bit more good. 
Toulouse absolutely destroyed Claremont, 34 points to eight. Uh, they scored a worldie of a try, actually, from uh, Gitoun, uh, a bit of magic produced from Huge, who I really don't like, but you got to tip the slipper to them sometimes and say he's got skill. Put uh, Ramos away, actually, with a no-look pass around the outside. Brilliant try. France are going to be good in the Six Nations, I'm telling you now. What else is good? Leon uh, spanking La Rochelle. Uh, they're top of the top 14. Played nine, won eight, lost one. They're 14 points clear of third place already. Um, London Irish are going to get a big mention in the good this week. Ooh. Absolutely dismantling Leicester Tigers, 36-11. Waisaki, Naholo, scored the bonus point try. Uh, Loader. Oh, good say. He is awesome. What a unit he is. Loaded. Um, get it. They looked really good, actually, London Irish. Uh, so congrats to them for their spanking of Leicester. But the good this week... It wasn't that good a performance overall, but the good is going to go to Bristol's, Bristol's for their yeah. win down at Exeter. They've not beaten Exeter in 10 years, or nearly 10 years. They won 20 points to 17. They're top of the Premiership now. It was the third biggest comeback in Premiership history. So the good this week goes to Bristol's Bears. Bristol Bearback. Uh, the bad. Well, there's a fair bit of bad, isn't there? I'm going to throw Gloucester into the bad this week. Mm. Uh, they didn't show up against Saracens. All the motivation in the world uh, after the week that Saracens had to really try and get one over them, but they didn't. The Shed, actually, I remember last year. The Shed, when they played Saracens at Gloucester, were singing, can we play you every week? And that was in the middle of the Six Nations, I believe it was. And then at the end of the season, Saracens spanked them in the semi-final. But I didn't hear any of that from the Gloucester fans this week. Can we play you every week? Because Gloucester got owned by Saracens, so that wasn't particularly good. Um, what else was bad? Stade Francais uh, lost at home to rivals Racing 25-9. They're now bottom of the league and seven points adrift in the top 14. Played nine, lost seven. Stade Francais. Gone. A former giant of the game. Just falling by the wayside. Uh, what else was bad? Um, well, the bad this week is going to go to, unfortunately, our old club. Leicester Tigers having their pants absolutely pulled down at London Irish, 36-11. Got dominated across the field. Jordan Murphy, the head coach, said that they were second best in every facet of the game. Losing 36-11 at Irish, physically dominated. Bottom of the league in the Premiership. Leicester Tigers, unfortunately, get the bad. And the ugly. Well, there's two bits of ugly this week, but I can only give it to one. (laughs) But the first bit of ugly that's not got the ugly, but is really ugly. We spoke about it earlier. Paolo Adogwu. Uh, his karate kick to the face of Van Rensburg. Uh, but not only that, his reaction, clapping the referee's decision, smiling, laughing, exasperated by a decision where he's booted someone in the face. How about you can't do that anymore, son? And uh, take the red card and be disappointed with yourself. So that was ugly. Uh, but the ugly this week, there's only one place to go for it. And it's Saracens. And Full the, stop. And the salary cap. And the way the integrity of the sport has been dragged through the mud this week because of Saracens. So the ugly this week just goes to Saracens. Thanks, Scooty. And I think you guys have got a couple of shout-outs to finish off with, don't you? Yeah, I got a big shout-out to Alex Charlcroft, a.k.a. Fatty Charl. We can't say fatty anymore, so morbidly obese. But some sad news, he broke his neck playing for old Albanians recently. The physios and the NHS have taken great care of him, but unfortunately, he's never going to be able to play again. So the coaches and players at old Albanians are sending their best wishes and we are too here from the rugby pod as well, so thinking about you. Yeah, and we also want to give a quick shout out to Scunthorpe Rugby Club, who are raising money and awareness for a charity called One for the Lads, which is focused on mental health after one of their players, Jimmy Walker, took his own life recently. They're growing mows and shaving heads and doing other things, and you can check it all out at www 
justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash scunny r-u-f-c good on you goody last shout out uh, if you're in maidenhead area on wednesday the 20th of november go check out the charity match that thames valley police are playing in memory of pc andrew harper uh, who was killed in the line of duty they've got an online auction going on as well so take a look at that on good two the number two bid.co.uk forward slash andrew harper so check that out that's an amazing cause as well thanks jim thanks goody thanks producer tim and thank you very much for listening as well don't forget to subscribe follow us on twitter review us on itunes and check out our super fans monthly subscription service at patreon.com forward slash the rugby pod rugby pod 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 (laughs) 